This was one of those weeks where the Holy Spirit was stirring my heart just in the last couple of days, and the bulletin was already printed, and so it's like, all right, we're going to have to just set that aside. And, and um, this thought was coming to my mind, something that I've shared with a group of guys that I've been meeting with, but I feel like the Lord wanted me to share it this morning. You know, when we look at VBS, when we look at, at Vacation Bible School, that is, and when we look at, at camp and, and all of that goes into camp, and, and again, you know, Sandy just shared just a smidget of what has taken place. There have been literally hundreds and hundreds of hours that have gone into preparing for Vacation Bible School and for camp, and I mean literally hundreds of hours. And, and many of you have donated uh, financially to help kids get to camp. I think we're going to be sending like 40-plus people to, to Spencer Lake and Wapaka. And, and that's huge, and a lot of these kids would never be able to go if, if it wasn't for your generosity. And so, and as a church, we looked at this as a board way back in January when we were doing our annual budget. And we said, we want to make sure that camp is affordable, and so that we built it into our budget where, where the church is actually absorbing some of the cost. The cost of camp is, is like 230 240 bucks, uh, and we're charging 150 So we're, we really say, you know what, we want to do everything that we can to make this affordable, and and so I just your generosity is, is really amazing. And, and we might say, well, why do we spend so much resource and time and energy on Vacation Bible School? It just seems like it was a one-day event and it's come and gone. Why do we spend so much time in, in preparing for camp and, and the bus and the painting of the bus and just all of that that went into it and all the permission slips and the fundraising and all of these things? And why do we do that? And Well, for one, it's relationships. When we look at our at the church and what's very valuable to this church, it's relationships. We believe that relationships are to be fostered in every uh, atmosphere possible. We look at leadership development is another very key component of what we believe God wants us to accomplish. And yesterday there were people who were getting stretched and, and, and people were being uh, risen up and they were being challenged. And, and, and so we see this at camp as well. And we also see the spiritual growth, of course. And and we want people to know God's desire. I mean, when you really boil it all down, we want people to know the desires of God. You know, so many times we say God's, and we talk about our desires and, and, and our futures and our lives and our dreams, and, and yet what is, what is God's desire? I mean, isn't that like the, the epitome of desires? Isn't that what we want to know above and beyond anything? Is Well, what is God's desire? Because when we know God's desires, it gives us a solid hope that we can build our lives on. And, and that's what all of this is about. It's about God's desire. And so how do we fit into that picture? And, <clears throat> and that picture is found in Ephesians chapter 1. So what is God's desire? In Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul is writing in verse, starts in verse 3. Actually, he didn't start in verse 3. He started in verse 1, but we're starting in verse 3. But he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that's a, that is huge. That's a, whole sermon, that's a whole sermon series right there. But he goes on to say, <clears throat> Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love, having predestined us to adoption, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. 
And so Paul wrote this. He's writing about the thoughts, the mind of God, before anything existed in, in this world, before creation. He's describing God's intentions. What was in the heart of God? What was, what was his desire? And, and in this passage of Scripture, it says that his plan, his desire was done in love and that he foreordained that his sons will be holy and blameless before him and he foreordained that this world would be, this would be accomplished through Jesus Christ. And so in, in four points, God's desire is to have sons, to have children, to have family. And he was motivated by love and his desire is that his sons, his, his children, his family would be holy and blameless. And this would be accomplished through Christ. This is the brief passage of Scripture we just read. And so, so in eternity past, we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. Now, I don't know how this all looked, but, but somehow maybe they're sitting around the kitchen table up in the heavenlies. And they said, you know what, well, let's, let's create a being that will be made in our image. And, 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 and then we can adopt them into our family. And, and they'll be like us. And, and this is before anything existed that we know in, in the created world. And, and we see that when Jesus came and he started his earthly ministry, one of the very first things he started sharing was this idea that God in heaven, Jehovah, is Father. I'm his son. He is Father. And that was kind of foreign to the ears of the Jews to, to recognize God as Father. But Jesus brings this in and, and Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says we are members of the household of God. And so God decided to create billions of people in His image that, that, that could bear His image that He can adopt into His family. He wanted family. He wanted sons. He wanted daughters. That's why we're, we're created. Now you might think, well, billions and billions of people, how does he keep them straight? Do we get lost in the sea of people? I mean, I sometimes have a hard time remembering a half a dozen names or, or details about a person. And, 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 and we, here we have God with, with billions. That's a big family, isn't it? If God wanted family and he's created billions of people, is it, are, we, are we lost in that sea of people? And to that, I just I, I reminisce. I think back to, to Psalm 139. This is one that I've, I've referenced many times. But in Psalm 139 and verse 13, it's a prayer to God from David. And he said, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes, they saw my substance, substance being yet unformed. And in, all, in, in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand, and when I awake, I am still with you. You see, friends, God was very strategic and God was very intentional about every human being that was ever conceived. Ever conceived. God was very intentional about every human life and, and whether that human being was miscarried or whether that human being was aborted 
or whether that human being was, was stillborn, or whether that human be, being came to full term and, and lived for 10 years or, or 50 years or, or 100 years, each was created on purpose for purpose. Now we might look at some life and, and, and all life is valuable. But you see, God was very intentional. He is the author of life. Every time someone is conceived, God has a purpose for that. God has a purpose for that life. Whether it comes to fruition the way we would like to see or the way God would see, that's a different story. But friends, God has a plan. God wanted sons and daughters for all of eternity. All of eternity. That's why He made us. It says in Acts chapter 17, in verse 26, it says, And He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him. In other words, long for Him and reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. So friends, regardless of, <clears throat> of country of origin or race or, or, or social status or, or physical capacity or mental capacity, God has a plan. And God, God created each person uh, uh, of importance. You see, before God said, let there be, He had you in mind. Before God said, let there be light, you were on His mind. He had your name picked out. He saw everything about your life. As the psalmist said, before we even took our first breath, God knew it all. Before He laid the foundations of the world, He was thinking of you. That's a staggering thought, isn't it? Before he created anything, he knew he would be sitting here today. He, he knew that he was going to create us. He, he, knew, he looked ahead before he, he said, let there be. And he said, I'm going I'm to create a, a, a little girl and, and her name is going to be Joan or a boy named Ken or Margie or Matt. Before, before anything existed in the created world, he had us on his heart. He had us on his mind. And so why do we have VBS? Why do we have camp? Because kids need to know, friends, that they were created to be part of God's family. They need to know that. We need to know that, that we're part of a big picture. Now we might say, well, why did God do this? Well, that brings us to the second point. It was motivated by love. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is what? Love. God is, is love. And so God, we see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the epitome of love, way beyond anything that we can think or imagine. And, and, and He says, you know what? We're gonna, we need to extend our love. Let's, let's just infuse our love into created beings. It was out of love. And, and, and God knew we would screw up. And again, friends, we don't, we don't always think like this, but I do. Um, it's like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they're having this dialogue. We're going to create a being in our image. And we're going to give them a free will. Meaning they can choose to, to accept our love and to accept their purpose and accept th this fact that we have an invitation for them to come into our family and, and interact with us for all of eternity. We're going to give them that option. We're going to give them free will. But we know that they're going to screw up. And, and, and Jesus... Jesus said, well, I will go down and I will redeem them. I will redeem them. I will become one of them. 
And, and, I will, and I will redeem them. I will go to a cross. I will, I will sacrifice my life for them. And the Holy Spirit said, and I will empower you. You become a man, and I'm going to come down, and I will empower you. And so the three of them were in agreement. The Father said, okay, this is, what, this is how it's going to work. And so, so they created man. You see, in Genesis 3, when sin entered the world, God didn't say, oh man, now what do I do? It didn't catch him off guard. He knew this was going to happen before the foundations of the world. We just sang the song. He was, he was, he's called the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. So this didn't catch God by surprise. And, and, and God knew He would screw up. And yet, for God so loved the world, right, that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Regardless of our past, you see, God made a provision and oftentimes we look at this world and, and we say, well, if God is love, why is all of this stuff happening in this world? And more specifically, when things come in our, in our lap and, and challenges and difficulties and trials and hardships, and, and we say, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. Why, why all this hardship in my life? Well, friends, according to, to Hebrews chapter 12, we have to understand that, that we're to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. He was despising the shame. He said, you know what? I know this is in front of me, but the joy that is before me is, 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 a, person, is a person named Amy and a person named Nick. And for the joy that was set before Him, I'm going to endure the cross. And, and he, he knew that this hardship was going to come. He knew this pain and suffering and that He'd be tortured on a cross. And he, and he knew this was the, the path. And, and, and the author of to the book of Hebrews says, now if this was the Son of God and He went through these hardships, do we not think that we will have hardships? He said in, in, in verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 12, he's right, and have you, have, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, for the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not discipline? And he goes on to say, you know, this is, this is part of being a legitimate son, a child. If you love your child, you will discipline them. So it, it's, it's an act of love. And, and God even allows evil to take place and, and to serve His purposes. God didn't design the cross, but He used it. He used it for His glory. And, and God didn't, didn't, want, didn't create that Egyptian prison for Joseph to sit in, and yet God used it. God didn't inspire the people to throw Daniel into the lion's den, and yet God used it. God didn't create that fiery furnace, and yet He used it. You see, God uses evil even to make something good come out of it. Amen? He can use everything for His glory and His purposes, including a cross. And you see, God wants us to mature as sons and daughters, to grow up. We, we, we share this in, in, in school. You get a worksheet and it's full of problems, right? And when you solve the problems, you're learning, you're growing, you're maturing. And we all go through problems in life. But those shape us, they challenge us, they stretch us, they mature us. They're preparing us for eternity. You see, there's a whole lot more to life than what we're doing now. Now is the intro. We're being prepped for eternity. I hope you see your life that way. 
That you're saying, you know what, when, when I hit the grave, that's not the end. Oh, no, that's just the beginning. This is the intro to the book of eternity. That, that God is prepping us. And, and friends, when we ever go through hardships and trials and, and we question the love of God, we just look at the cross and say, if somebody loves me that much, I can trust them. I can trust them when nothing makes sense. I can trust him that he's working something out for my good. I think of, of, of the fact that Jesus demonstrated his love for us while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. Jesus prayed in John 17 and verse 23 that we would know that God the Father loves us just as he loves Jesus. Isn't that staggering to think that? That the Father in heaven loves us, his children, his daughters, his sons, as he loves Jesus. Did the Father love the Son? Absolutely. You see, friends, when we think of this, why VBS? Why summer camp? Why all of the decorations? Why all those hours? Because our youth need to know that God loves them greatly. They need to know that. It gives them purpose. It gives them hope. So in love, God created us to be part of family. God's desire is that His children would also be holy and be blameless. This is what His desire is, that we would be holy. Holy means to be set apart for God's purposes. Like, like, like this podium, it could be in a, in, in a different setting. It's holy. It's set apart for God's purposes. It may look like a standard podium, but it's using to proclaim the Word of God. It's consecrated to the, work, to the work of the ministry. You see, holiness manifests itself in our walk, in our daily walk. When you look at the word walk in the Scriptures, how are we to walk in holiness? Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 instructs us to walk in the newness of life. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Galatians 5.16, we are to walk in the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Ephesians 5.2, walk in love. Ephesians 5.8, walk as children of light. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, walk in Christ. Colossians 4 and verse 5, walk in wisdom. This is how we walk in holiness. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, Walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. 3 John chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Walk in truth. Again, there's another whole sermon series right there. Walk in truth. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6 says, The one who says he resides in God. Okay, and if I ask that question, how many hands would go up? A lot of hands would go up. Yeah, I walk in God. The following part of this verse, he who says he resides in God ought himself to walk just as Jesus walked. That's what the Word of God says. So how did Jesus walk? Jesus not only walked in holiness, but he was blameless. He also walked in wholeness. So when we look at that word blameless, God wants his children to be holy, to be set apart, to be focused on him, 
and His plan and His ways and His kingdom and His power and His authority, but He also wants us to be blameless. He wants us to be whole. He doesn't want us walking with baggage. He doesn't want us walking with guilt. He doesn't want us walking with shame. He doesn't want us walking in condemnation. He he wants us to be whole. He wants us to be free. He doesn't want our past experiences to be the dictators of our future. He doesn't want our experiences to be the basis of truth. He wants His Word to be the basis of truth because His Word is truth. And the truth is what sets us free from preconceived ideas and experiences that have shaped our thinking. How many of you have had your your mind renewed and you got rid of a bunch of stinking thinking and now you're free? Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) If you're not free, you need to be free. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And as we walk in wholeness, we will see the life of Jesus manifested through us. But it's this walking in wholeness that we would be completely whole, body, soul, and spirit, with the fullness of God being expressed in us and through us. And friends, there is no greater joy than to see God working in us and through us when we're walking in wholeness. That doesn't mean perfection in every facet of life, but wholeness, and God opens doors. We've got a testimony. I've asked Adam if he would just share of of being set free to walk in wholeness and watch God open doors. He had a testimony he shared the other night, and I said, Adam, you've got to share that with the church. Good morning, guys. Um, I came to the Lord last year, and... um, the Holy Spirit really put it on my heart to start reaching my family members, and I felt that recently it was the right timing to go, to go back into those areas of my life that I don't think I would have been able to hang out with family members and still come out alive. So um, this testimony is about my father, um, my dad. Um, just to give you a little background information, uh, my dad really wasn't much part of my life. Um, he... I knew him a little bit when I was younger, and uh, I never saw him until I was in my mid-20s when I finally reached out to him, and it was by me that I reached out to him. And, um, of course, we got to know each other in the bar scene because I was a heavy party animal. And um, so my dad and I developed this relationship. Um, It wasn't a very healthy relationship, um, but I got to know him. And... um, it was just uh, recently um, when my son was born, uh, about when he was one years old, we had a falling out again because the, the woman that I was with, um, his, my dad's wife and her did not get along. So um, for three years, I didn't speak to my dad. And um, Holy Spirit really put it on my heart that I should seek out and, and uh, share the gospel with my dad. So it was uh, Memorial Day. It was Monday. And um, I hadn't spoke to my dad in three years, and we hung out. We went, we went downtown and just did city walk, and we got some food, and um, just was sharing, just shooting little seeds of Jesus here and there, and I shared my testimony with my family. It was uh, my dad and his wife, and uh, my, um, my dad's wife's siblings. It was all of them but one, so there was four of them. So it was seven of us in total. And I was just sharing little seeds here and there, just little things. And, and uh, we ended up at Titletown Brewery, and it was about 3 o'clock. And we had gotten out at about 1 o'clock. So about 3 o'clock, we, 
we uh, went there, and uh, we ended up going on the balcony. There wasn't many people when we got there, but by 3 o'clock, uh, there was quite a few people on the balcony, and uh, the Holy Spirit just prompted me to just start sharing the gospel, and uh, so I was telling my family just sharing about legalism and religion and, and what Jesus did on the cross, and, and still I'm, I'm amazed when I think about it, um, when you let the Holy Spirit lead, how your mouth moves and you just, you don't really understand what's coming out, but it comes out and, and it's, there's a lot of wisdom there and it just kind of blows you away. And well, there was a, uh, a sibling. Um, he was the older of my stepmom's siblings. He was kind of bucking everything I had to say. And, um, my dad was trying to listen to me and he was really interested in what I had to say. And actually everybody was out like 20 people on the balcony and nobody was talking. Everybody was just listening to me talk about the Lord, and um, so I got to the point where I'm like, Dad, you know what, I'm just going to have to talk to you about this in private, you know, and it's just you and me, and my dad was like, yeah, I'd, I'd really like that, so my dad was like, well, I'm going to go use the bathroom, and I'm like, well, Holy Spirit ain't done yet, I said, I'm going to go use the bathroom too, so, <laughs> so we both went to the bathroom, and I just kept talking about the Lord, and and eventually it got into a heated conversation where my dad started getting a little frustrated and a little upset, and and I was just telling him the power of the Holy Spirit. And my dad was like, what, can God heal my knee? And I'm like, yeah, he can. I'm like, give it here. And he was like put off about it. He was like, okay. And like he didn't really know what to say. And um, long story short, um, he, we were kind of, it, was, it wasn't really an argument, but he was definitely on the defensive. And I said, dad, come here. And I grabbed him by the back of the neck and I put my forehead on his forehead. And uh, sorry if I lose it. <laughs> but um, I just started praying over him and... Uh, I told the Holy Spirit to just manifest himself in him and show, show yourself to my dad. And it wasn't even five seconds into the prayer, and uh, my dad just gasped for He was like, <gasps> and he kind of stumbled, and, and he, said, he said, wow. He goes, I, I, I feel the love of my sister. And, and um, he had lost his sister to brain cancer, my aunt, um, like five years ago, and uh, then lost... Um, his nephew, which is my cousin, her son, three years later. And uh, so he was like, I, I feel the love of my sister. And I said, Dad, it's even better than the love of your sister. I'm like, it's the love of God. And he just started, he just started crying in my arms. And we were crying. It was, just, it was just fantastic. And later that Tuesday night, in prayer here, the Lord revealed to me why he gasped for air. And he said, Adam. He goes, your father gasped for air because that was the first time in 54 years that he's taken a real breath of fresh air. And um, if you come on Tuesday night, I have a testimony with my grandmother, who I said last Tuesday that we were going to have the next mission on. So, God is faithful. He's faithful. When we walk in wholeness, when we walk in wholeness, see, it's God's plan that we're set apart and blameless, whole. And when we're whole, we hear from God with that clarity, right? And we're obedient and we can respond quickly. You see, the reason that Adam can hear from God clearly, and he's still on the journey, it's not like he's arrived, none of us have. But he's hearing from God because he's, done, he's dealt with the, with the baggage in his life. He's a new person. 
And that's, that's been God's plan before he said, let there be light. See, his name is Adam. <laughs> but a, a new Adam, a second Adam. And you see, this is the last point. All of this is accomplished through Christ. What Christ did on the cross and the resurrection and the day of Pentecost. He said this is all possible. So we're going to be ex- ex- um, having communion here in just a, a few moments. But this, this reconciliation, God said, I, I, I so want a relationship with, with people that I'm going to go to an, a, an incredible, crazy extreme to demonstrate my love so that I will have sons and daughters who will know me and do life together. And then we're going we're gonna to put ourselves into the people and the person of the Holy Spirit. And just like the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus when he walked, he, Jesus was limited to a, a body like every one of us have, flesh and, and, and blood and bones. But he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what Pentecost was about. It was about an empowering. And so now God lives and walks and breathes through us and we become billboards for the resurrected Lord. It's a beautiful plan. It's a beautiful plan. I just ask that you to bow your heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for revealing to us in your word the big picture, your desire. to create each one of us to adopt us into your family full inheritance full sonship joint heirs with Christ and you have blessed us with everything in the heavenly realms you were motivated by love and you pursued us with a with a love approach that we would be holy, that we would be set apart for you, and that we would be whole, living free in our thinking, free in our bodies, free in our spirits. And you did it through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray right now if there's even one person in this room who's who's not really in the family yet. They've never really embraced the one and only provision where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lord, if there's even one person in this room right now who's never said, Jesus, I need you. Come, change me. I'm going to place my faith in you, what you did on that cross. You took all of my sins You paid the price so I could live forever with you. You rose from the dead and and, and the resurrection, it says says that nothing is impossible. It says that, that you make new things, that there's infinite possibilities and that you're faithful to your word. There's a future waiting for us beyond our wildest dreams. 
And even now, you invite us to, to walk in relationship with you. And so, Lord, if there's even one right now, just in this quietness of this moment, they would say, Jesus, I need you. I give you myself. Change me. Make me the person you created me to be. Lord, we know that this plan of yours came at an incredible price to have sons and daughters. But you looked at each one of us and you said, they're worth it. They're worth it. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.